the way that he delivered it was like I could feel him and his body connected to the earth, like grounded, like I'm here, I'm safe. Like he knew what I had gone through. I had shared it. And the fact that he leaned in like that, it felt so safe. I felt so Mm. held and it felt like I could just trust him. Welcome to another episode of Dear Men. This one is very special to me, partly because I'm talking to my very close friend and um, wise mentor woman. I think of her as a wise mentor woman. (laughs) And also because I think this topic is really relevant in a lot of people's lives, especially in their first or second relationships. The topic is how to help a shutdown woman open up. And when I was looking at the topic uh, title, I actually w- started with the idea of um, how to open up a shutdown woman, but there was a part of me that really resisted that. Like, I don't want you to open me up if I'm not ready. So it's how to help a shutdown woman open up, and I think there's inherent in that a form of consent of like, if I'm not ready to open up, bitch, like, I'm not going to open up, you know what I mean? But if I am ready, there is help that can help me. We're going to talk about that, but I just wanted to sort of address that at first, which is that you can't make someone open up. There's no making someone open up that that feels like, I don't know, creepy. So, <laughs> um, no creepy allowed. Welcome to Melanie Scott. Yes, her name is Melanie too. Yay! It's Melanie Squared today. <laughs> I love it. And she is a coach and a teacher, and she will explain more about what she does at the end if you want to learn more about that. But today we're really just going to focus on her personal journey, and all of her wisdom around this topic. So welcome to the podcast. Hey, Mel. Thanks for having (laughs) me. And um, yeah, I just want to start with, um, you know, we've talked and you've said that you're someone who has gone from being relatively shut down to pretty opened up. You're one of the most opened up, radiant women I know in many ways. And so I was wondering if you could just tell us about that journey of going from shut down to opened up. Well, first of all, thank you for that reflection. It just feels really good to receive that. And um, that's sort of a personal intention of mine these days. So, oh, so good. Um, Yeah. Uh, Current me and old me don't look anything alike. And uh, gosh, I was married before and... um, was very shut down in my marriage and at this point um I'm in a relationship and have been for two years and it's been very different with him than with my ex-husband and I really attribute that to really the lack of openness that I had um years and years ago Mm. which was really really hard on both uh my now ex-husband and me really hard to cultivate connection really hard to have sexual chemistry and just really hard to relate in general Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the, the, the things about the term shut down. I think a lot of us, myself included, think of that term more in terms of shut down sexually. Um, the, what is it? The kind of more toxic term for that is frigid. 
I don't like that term at all, but it is something that we can reference as like a on the spectrum that would be towards the shutdown side of things. I'm just curious, like when you felt more shut down, did it feel like you knew more was possible and you wanted to get there? Or was it like, I don't even know what's possible. I'm just sort of in this place. Like, how would you define your shutdown or how did it, what did it look like? Oh God, I knew so much more was possible and that was eating me alive at various points. I remember coming home and just crying and being like, why can't my life feel more fulfilling? And what's wrong? Like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with our marriage? What's wrong with my life? And by all accounts, I had an amazing, beautiful life. I, I was married and I had a really successful career as a lawyer and plenty of money and a house and a great doggy and all the things, you know, all the things that like people dream about. Literally a picket fence. Yeah. I literally had one of those. <laughs> literally on like a half an acre estate. Like life was good. Yeah. People would think, oh, she's, she's got it made. But inside there was this deep dissatisfaction with the level of intimacy and connection. And really that was emanating from my inability to connect with people. Mm. I did not know how to do it, let alone with my guy. Mm. And so, yeah, on the surface looked great, but inside I felt like a wall really was built up around my heart and Mm. around my ability to, to really let people see me. I was afraid to be seen, Mm. heard, and really even touched, Mm. touched by my guy. Like I just, it just didn't feel good and safe in my body. And so I just carried that and a lot of pain at the same time for years. And it was very lonely and very, very hard. Yeah. So it sounds like the shutdown wasn't just sexually. It was also around your heart. Yeah. It was, it was hard to connect. I'm curious, like from that space, like how, how did you manage to actually like relate? Like, was that just like a surface level sort of what you thought relating would look like? Hmm. You know, I was so unaware back then that it was not conscious. Like, I just know that, I mean, I've always been a happy, like running happy kind of person, but I was more like a happy little girl. Okay. So I'd kind of be like the giggly one and the happy one, but like there was a limit to how much I could go inside, how much depth I could have. So it was just as if like there was a wall I couldn't get over. Yeah. In fact, I remember having a tarot reading at the time, like when I was just starting to kind of wake up. And I'll never forget the image on the tarot card was a girl looking through an iron gate and she's holding onto the bars and it's like she wants to get through. And the irony is that the gate's unlocked and the Mm. whole time she could have walked through and really like busted through her own blocks and barriers to just being herself, but she didn't know it was unlocked. And that's really how it was for me. I was just, I was really insecure. That's the bottom line, really insecure. So talk to me a little about how you how you went from that to who you are now because it's a pretty dramatic transformation. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> um yeah, well, I needed something to um literally rip me open and um the cosmic 2 by 4 definitely came and hit me over the head and it was I love that the cosmic two by four that's perfect and it hurt like a mother oh yeah uh one day I found out that my actually on Christmas Eve I found out that my then husband had a girlfriend and um I had suspected that we were disconnected and having problems but I just I didn't consciously think that that was even an option so yeah my whole life imploded overnight and um I can say very casually now because it happened years ago but at the time that was incredibly traumatic um, just a horrible, horrible development in my life. It was just, it was shattering. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so, yeah, that happened. And when that happened, everything shifted literally in an instant. And I immediately got my butt in therapy and um, 
just started to dissect really who I was and really committed to going on the journey to unearthing the lessons Mm. that I could get from such a god-awful experience that I wouldn't wish on my own worst enemy, you know, being lied to like that. But I committed, and it was only through the day-to-day work on myself and following the path of all the things that followed that really got me to be where I'm at. Yeah, walk me through a couple of just a couple of the standout things that you did because I know you've done a lot of tantra workshops, you've done a lot of talk therapy, you've done some somatic therapy. Just yeah. what are like a couple of highlights that really you feel like helped you move forward? I'm giggling because I'm like <laughs> me doing tantra. Like yes, like, old me would be like um tantra. Like what the hell is that? I think Sting does that with like his woman or something. Sting does do tantra. right. He's like the tantra guy, but like yeah, if you knew old me, Mal, you'd be like. You did Tantra? Come on! But yeah, Tantra was a really big piece of it. Um, you know what I did was I figured out the things that made me really uncomfortable, and I did those. Mm. So Tantra was a great one because Tantra was all about eye-gazing and getting close to one another and being seen and heard and being touched. I remember going to my first Tantra workshop, and at the end, the like grand finale practice was you lay on the ground with a partner, a person I didn't know, it was a man, and you, he blindfolds you, and then he, like, touches your body with all these different, um, mm. like, sensual things. Fully clothed, but, like, an ice cube on your neck or, like, a feather across your brow. And I just remember feeling things I had never felt, and it felt so edgy for me to do that with somebody that I didn't have, like, a romantic connection yeah. with. But I knew that what was uncomfortable was what was going to serve me. Mm. So I enrolled in the Tantra classes, um, I confronted the hell out of my ex. I said all the things that I I sort of had built up inside as resentments over the years. So, like, just a lot of, like, expression that really had been bottled up. And did you actually express those to that person, or did you write them out on a letter, or, like, what did that look like? I did it, yeah, in person, in therapy. Okay. So we agreed to do therapy um, together, even okay. though we weren't staying together. Okay. Um, so expression, like, physical expression felt really good. Um And then I actually, after taking a year off of men, which is really hard because I love men. (laughs) Oh, I love men. I so love men. But yes, after taking a a year off. You took a mancation, a conscious mancation. I'm just going to take this year. Did you you say that to yourself? I'm going to take a year. I'm just going to, okay. I did. I told myself no men for a year. And when I eventually got back on the man um, wagon. <laughs> on the man hunt? <laughs> totally. I signed up for Tinder, I remember, on January 1st. <laughs> and it was like, this is my year. And I started dating. And it was really fucking uncomfortable to go on blind dates with men from an app. Like, huh? But I told myself, I need to use dating as practice. Practice mm. to start relating. Practice to be seen. Practice to ask for what I needed. Say how I felt. And that was a huge piece was I'm not dating to like find another guy and replace him so I don't have to feel all these shitty feelings I'm feeling or feel lonely I'm gonna start relating with men putting myself in situations to be with them so I could feel what was gonna come up and then deal with it talk about Mm. it with my therapist talk about it with whoever or just work it through my body and it was like that kind of practice Mm. that sort of intentional container I set for myself as opposed to like sort of destinational thinking. I just was like, fuck, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And it was fantastic. That feels really important because it feels like what I'm hearing is that part of your journey from going from being shut down to being more opened up mm-hmm. was basically deliberate practice. Like I'm going to go and relate, especially with the masculine, I'm going to go and relate with the masculine, especially since I'm assuming you would have all kinds of wounding from that other relationship ending the way that it did with cheating, which is 
one of the biggest betrayals you can go through, that you kind of took it as deliberate practice, that part of opening up wasn't like, oh, I went to a tantra workshop and like the clouds parted (laughs) and now I'm like this opened up radiant sexually available woman. It was like deliberate practice over time. Does that feel true? That feels very true. I feel like I sort of channeled my own masculine energy inside and like set containers for myself, which felt really uncomfortable Mm. because I had really looked to men ever since I was little, my father and the guys I had dated and then my ex-husband to lead me. And all of a sudden I literally, Mel was like, I don't, I don't know how to lead myself. Mm. Like I felt like I had been in a relationship for most of my adult life. In fact, almost every day (laughs) for just like very brief gaps. But generally I had been in a relationship. So all of a sudden I'm not in one. It ended really, you know, crazily. And then, yeah, I deliberately said, what do I need to do to set myself up to grow and learn and Mm. open up? And yeah, I, I did it, but I fucking hated it. I hated it for a long time. I hated it. Can you say more? Yeah, because the thing that came up for me when you were describing the Tantra workshop was how did you keep yourself feeling safe enough to explore? Because if you mm. if you don't feel safe, I'm imagining there is no opening up, right? Yeah. I, I can't, personally can't open up if I don't feel safe. How did you navigate like keeping yourself safe in those circumstances? In the Tantra workshops themselves? Yeah. Yeah. Well, luckily my teacher provided a really safe container. So the practices were done in a very intentional way. And there was like no nudity or anything that felt like too edgy at least for me, but they gave us the right to opt out if things felt edgy, so I felt like it was set up to succeed. Okay. It was more like what I did after that that was more risky, because then all of a sudden I'm starting to date people. Risky and, meaning the Tinder part. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tinder is a high-risk endeavor. <laughs> but it was literally the best thing I did. I actually wrote a blog post about it a couple years ago, and it was like my best, like most popular article, because it was like, what did Tinder teach me? Mm. And like going on Tinder was about... Um, me validating me like Mm. I went on there to get validation from other men and what I actually learned through the process was how to validate my own feelings my own needs through communication Mm. communicating with with that person yeah can you give one tiny example of that like Mm. yeah like around boundaries around sex like I mean I had had sex with one guy for our 10-year relationship and then all of a sudden it's like oh my god STDs and condoms and crazy stuff so like being able to ask for what I needed around that like I remember talking to one guy in particular who wanted to sleep with me, and I was like, well, I don't feel comfortable sleeping with you until X, Y, Z. Like, I wanted him to get a, an STD test, like, and I wanted him to let me know what was going on with that, and I wanted to know if he was sleeping with other women or not. And before, when I had dated other men, I hadn't done those things, mm. and I felt really uncomfortable later going, oh, I should have done this, I should have done that, I should have yeah. asked about other women. Like, I learned I couldn't sleep with men who were sleeping with other women. Yeah, and feel safe. Yes, but I had to feel safe. Yes, but I had to screw that up first to learn. Yeah, is and when you were in therapy, what what was something you discovered about why you hadn't been communicating? Why weren't you telling the other guys? You know, Mm. I really need you to get tested first, otherwise I'm not going to feel comfortable. Because I didn't feel safe to ask for what I needed, because that was never modeled to me. So it would have felt like demanding or something if you'd asked before. Yeah, I mean, growing up, I had a father who just told me what to do and never asked me what I needed, would never listen to me. And so my patterning in my body, the blueprint is you don't even, it doesn't matter what you need because it's not going to be heard. So don't even bother saying it. And that was the, that was what I was bringing to the table was literally emotionally shut down of like, I can't even ask for what I need because I've never really been listened to Mm. by a man. I've never, I was... I don't feel like I've ever really been listened to by a man until I met my current partner. Yeah. Which is like the best gift ever. It's so tender and so delicious. Yeah. I think it's really special what you're saying too because um, 
going from being shut down to being more open, it sounds like is actually intimately tied to you being able to ask for what you want or need rather than it just being provided. So in other words, like a shutdown person might not be able to even say like, Hey, I'd really like you to get tested. I'd feel a lot safer and more excited about sleeping with you if you got tested. And I'm not actually going to sleep with you if you don't get tested. So versus like just sort of freezing up. You know what I'm saying? Like that there's then choice. If it's more open, there's a, there's an exchange, there's choice rather than I'm not going to tell you what I need, but I'm also just going to be, be frozen because I don't know how to say what I need. Yes. Yes. And that was old me in my marriage, me post marriage dating Tinder land. I was able to start to do that. And post therapy and, and Tantra stuff. Too, all right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yes. All of the personal. Oh my stuff. God. I spent so much money and on so many airplane flights and so many retreats, but it was, it got me here. It was mm-hmm. worth every moment. It was like an investment. It was an investment in your emotional future, basically. It's the best investment I ever made. Yeah. Okay, so um, I think this might be relevant for anyone that's in the shutdown place right now, men and women. When you think back to that time, do you think, was there anything that you, that your ex-partner could have done to help you open up? Or was it all sort of your journey to make? I mean, what I'll say about that is really two things. One, I was so shut down at the time that I I don't think I would have been receptive absent a very clear, concise plan by him that was, like, very um, clearly articulated. Like, look, I want to go to this therapist. We need to do this. I've picked her out. Let's do it. This is why. Boom. Like, are you in or are you out? Like, I needed to feel, like, a really strong um, lead on his part. And But for that, I just don't think there's any way that, like, the subtle hints that he dropped about, hey, maybe we should talk about someone or talk with someone, I don't think it would have worked. Um, it didn't work. Yeah. He did that a few times, but, like, I don't really remember him doing it much because I was so shut down. I needed someone to, like, shake me almost. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is similar to those of you who listened to the episode with Z. She said something similar, which is her ex-partner would drop little hints like, ugh, we're just roommates. We don't have sex anymore. But he never came to her in a deliberate fashion to say, hey, I love you, and I'm worried about this. I'm worried about our marriage. Oh, that would have been so good. I'm really worried, and I really love you, and I want this to work. I've looked up a sex therapist in our area. This is the investment. It's a lot of money, but to me, it's worth it. I need to know if you're in. Yeah. That is a completely different thing than dropping a random hint because— he tried to initiate sex and she said no, right? Like that container is totally different. It's a game changer. I think it would change the course of a relationship. Like it has that level of potential. It is so big, so big. And I I imagine it would be really hard like for my partner to have done that, but wow, that would have been so powerful. Yeah, and it's also kind of like you said, which is that most of us don't have good role models when it comes to relationships. Most of us don't have good role models. We didn't grow up with people having deliberate conversations with each other, <laughs> creating containers that other people would step into. That's not how we grew up. We grew up with passive aggression or aggression aggression or I'm just going to tell you what to do and you're going to listen and there's no dialogue or all of that stuff. So that's one of the reasons that I'm passionate about this topic and what we do is because this is really what's needed in relationships is people coming to one another, whether it's the man or the woman, but in this case we are talking about the feminine mm-hmm. being shut down mm-hmm. and the masculine coming with a deliberate conversation that's backed up by thought. Like, yeah. I've put thought into this. I'm really worried about our relationship. I love you and I want this to work. Yeah. And I really need us to talk about this with someone. I need help. I need help in this relationship. Mm. Because I think a lot of 
the time couples try to do it themselves and try to solve things themselves. And sometimes it's just not possible. Like sometimes you really need a third person to help you out because obviously the two of you don't have the skills. If you did, you wouldn't be in trouble. It's so you true. Just, people just keep doing the same thing, just like hoping it's going to get better. So, um, I just feel my whole body relaxing, like even you talking about mm. that because it's just, it feels like food. It yeah. feels like food for the feminine. Like just is like, ah, he can see it. He wants to do something about it. Like I feel the investment. I feel the intentionality. Yeah. I feel the presence. It's like, that is really what I feel like most women want, including myself. Yeah. And another thing that I've noticed just from speaking with men since I coach men is that the the both people in a sexual relationship, meaning a marriage or a, any kind of relationship where sex is involved, sex is really important. So if you're in a sexless relationship, that's a problem. It's a problem. Like, and, and you, let's say the sexless relationship is the man initiates frequently and the woman says no. When you as a man have a need like sex, like you need sex to relate and to feel close, that's true. That's a need. It's not a nice to have. So going to your partner and saying, I'm really worried about this. I want to talk about it. I want us to go see someone. This is critically important to me. This is a need. I think is important for you to recognize just for yourself. Because I think a lot of times our culture sort of denigrates men and puts them down. And it's like, you're just a sex hound. All you care about is sex. But the truth is like sex is incredibly important as a way to connect, especially in a monogamous committed relationship where you are not expected, like you don't have any other choice. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. if you're the man and you're in that committed relationship, there is no other choice. So it's completely appropriate for you to have a conversation and say like, this is a need that I have. I really want us to go get help because I can't figure this out and I love you and I want to be with you. Yeah. If that's true, if you know, if you're done, you're done. But I think there's a lot of relationships where they're not done. They do want it to work. They do love their partner. They do want to have sex with their partner and it's just not happening. But I just want to shout that out that like, it is critically important. It's not just a nice to have. Absolutely. Sex is fucking fantastic. Like, <laughs> let's have more and more of it. It is not a nice to have. I feel like it is like the currency of relationship, that and like authentic, vulnerable communication. Like, you, you have those two in a relationship? I think your relationship's doing pretty good. Yeah. So, talk to me a little bit about. So, you made this transition to Tinder. <laughs> so, you basically, it was, the, it was the marriage that didn't work, and then it was a bunch of therapy, the year to yourself, and then Tinder, and then walk me through. What happened next? How did you... This is Because you're still on your journey of becoming more opened up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tinder taught me a lot. I had a couple of uh, short-term relationships on there and really learned about more about what I didn't want and what I do want or did want at the time. And um, yeah, it was, it was really vulnerable, but the best thing that I ever did because I came out of that feeling more confident about my ability to express myself Mm. and take care of myself and also to relate to men and feel good. Like I had some really good sex with some people from Tinder and it was great. Yeah. Tinder sex. Woo. (laughs) I mean, it was important. It was like, I hadn't had sex in a really long time. Guys, you know, what would be a really fun meter for those of you that work at Tinder who are listening. Uh, the orgasm meter, how many orgasms is Tinder responsible for? Oh, my God. You'd have to guess, oh my God. I think that would be a good, good metric. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> Let's work on that after the show. <laughs> um, yeah, so after that, I realized I wanted a relationship, which was just a great realization to have in and of itself. I'm like, I've come a really long way if I'm ready for another relationship. I'm like, I want to have a boyfriend. Oh, my God, I could have a boyfriend. This Especially to feel safe enough to do that, because if you've, if go, yeah. you know, going through betrayal, you must have done, done a lot of emotional, like, heavy lifting to get to the place where you're like... 
I feel secure enough with men in general that I want to be in a relationship with one. It's true. I did. And the game changer there wasn't I need to trust men as much as I need to trust myself. Mm, To speak up for myself? And to listen to what's going on inside. So Mm. so that little voice inside of me who's like, this doesn't feel right or something's off. Like my spidey sense, I think I had ignored for so long. I really learned through the betrayal of, of my ex that, yeah, like, I really needed to learn to trust me. Mm. And if I could trust me, I could identify trustworthy men out there. Mm. And so even the Tinder stuff helped identify guys that seemed not so great, shady, perhaps. Dated one of those. I remember him. Yeah, a little shady. A a little shady. Totally. But then, yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Frat boys. Never again. But yeah. Yes. Yes. So that really helped. Um going through all of that and then starting to see that there were men that were leaning in and that wanted relationship and all of that. Um, That was fantastic. But yeah, it was really coming to the realization that I wanted relationship that then opened up a whole new layer of amazingness and also challenge because relating in a relationship is so much different than relating just with guys of the internet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Practice partners, you know, like all of a sudden there's somebody and you're like, hey. I kind of like that, practice partners. I feel like that takes a lot of pressure off. I mean, this is a whole other episode, the the Tinder thing, but just to shout that out, that going into dating, being like, I'm going to practice. I'm going to get a couple of practice partners, see how it feels to speak up, to pay attention to my spidey sense, to see what's out there, instead of, I'm on the hunt for the one. Are you the one? Yes. And then, like, moving on. Choose me, choose me, choose me. I'm on the hunt for the one, which is, like, not only intimidating, but it's a little bit, like... It feels like a huge commitment, to, right, to start dating again if you're looking for the one versus, yeah. I'm going to go look for some practice partners, yeah. see how this feels. That's, like, a totally different space. Absolutely. And that's a lot to put on a guy. That's a lot to yeah. put on a guy. Okay, so now you've dated and you realize you want a relationship. What happened next? I, I did this one for a little while who I thought I might be able to have a relationship with, but he, he was not available to do that. So that was a bit of a trip up for me, getting kind of attached to him and then realizing that he he couldn't give me what I wanted. Mm. And Was this, like, emotionally unavailable? He was going through a relationship detox, uh. and I didn't know that at the beginning. Um, so once I found out, I mean, he tried to tell me, and he was he was suggesting it, but, like, once I found out that he was really, like, not in, I was like, all right, well, I was kind of already hooked on him emotionally, and that was hard. Yeah. It was, luckily, it was only a few months, but I remember, like, that felt like a blow, because I felt like I found someone I actually really liked. And um, it sounds like he wasn't intentional or deliberate about creating a container there either. That's right. He was sort of, like, leading, not exactly leading you on, but in the vicinity of leading you on and not saying, hey, just so you know, I'm in a relationship detox I would love to relate with you. I would love to be intimate with you or whatever. And this is what I'm available for. It's so true. That's not what he did at all. That's right. Okay. That's right. (laughs) He just started hooking up with you and like. Yeah. Drips and drabs. (laughs) It's like we hooked up a few times and then he said it. And then I was like already connected to him. Mm -hmm. So it was like awkward. I wish I would have found that out before because I noticed that once I sleep with someone, I'm really um, hooked in with them emotionally. So he did it, but he just did it. After. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, that was hard on me. Yeah. So I felt like he was trying, but it just was clunky for us. Yeah. So I remember being hurt by that and just declaring one day, like maybe like two months later, I remember like crying and just being like almost rage just pumping through me. Like, I'm so over this. Like, I'm meeting these guys and they're not right and they don't want what I want. And I just was like, <laughs> is that too loud for no, the podcast? No, it's totally fine. <laughs> thing. And um, I wrote down, like, this is what I want. Like, I want to, f- I am curious to find a conscious man who wants to be in a committed relationship. Mm. That's what I wrote, and I put it on my mirror, and I looked at it every day in the bathroom. I was just like, that's what I want, that's what I want. And I met him. 
actually going to do an episode on like where do people meet because I feel like that's a really frequent question but shouting out in real life IRL you do not have to be on the apps if you don't want to anyway, separate conversation um tell me tell me about um because you're still I mean would you say you were fully opened up at the time that you met met him or were you still on that journey like I'm, I'm curious how you mm. like what was it like getting into a relationship as a more opened up woman mm. Mm. god what was that like <laughs> It was scary, but beautiful because I felt like I was coming out of the practice period and like really swimming in an ocean of like, I'm ready for commitment. Like, where's commitment going to come? And then when I met him, he leaned in pretty quickly and there was this magical moment when he looked at me, like I only knew him maybe like two months and he said, I want to love you. Like I choose to love you. I mean, I remember just feeling such just uh, joy and release and relaxation in my body. And it was that safety that he provided, that he created for us. And like that intentionality that allowed me to really relax. Mm. And then that just opened up a whole nother layer of really openness. So as I attribute it to his leading and him claiming me, that enabled me to, yeah, really let down kind of the, I'm sorting around practice partners thing and like come into I'm going to do a relationship with this guy. Yeah. And then that brought up a whole nother layer of challenge, but beauty, you know, around being seen, being heard, asking for what I wanted. And it's been incredibly, incredibly amazing. It feels rewarding. When you describe it, it feels really rewarding. And what occurs to me as you're talking is that it seems like both of you had done, done a lot of personal growth work so, so that you came prepared, so to speak. It's almost like, um, like, if you both are coming to uh, a sports game and you're in shape. Mm. So it's like, what is possible when two in-shape people come together? In, what is possible in that sports game versus two people who are out of shape trying to make the sports game work? Oh, girl, so, I have been working on my shape for a long time at that point. I mean, I had it going on. The booty. I mean, uh, uh, uh. I was ready. It's true. I mean, but it's, it's like, it's the... The thing that comes up when you discuss the new the new guy a lot is the, is exactly what we were talking about before, which is intentionality yeah. and creating a space that he that there was a way that he provided a space because in saying something like "I choose to love you," mm-hmm. "I want to love you," that's a very um, claiming statement. Mm-hmm. Like it's a claiming statement. It's not like "So what are you doing next week?" "So how's it going?" It's very like "I want this." I choose this. Yeah. And it's not dominating. We're going to do another episode about leading versus dominating. It's leading isn't dominating, right? It's not like mm-hmm. you have to be with me. Mm-hmm. That's that's claiming no. but like in the toxic way yeah, versus no. like I choose you. Yeah. I choose to be with you. Yeah. And what I liked about what you said too is that almost, for me I feel like this is like as as the feminine that kind of space when that space is created it's like it cre- it like opens me up even more than i thought it could be you know what i mean like this whole other vista opens up like whoa i didn't even know that was there but you mm. were prepared to go there like if you had been so shut down you couldn't do it it wouldn't matter if the invitation was issued it had to be i issue the invitation and you're open enough to receive it yeah. and step into it absolutely that feels so true and i remember him like physically holding me while he said it like he had his hands, like, we were sitting across from each other, and he put his hands on my thighs and, like, looked me in the eye and, like, 
there was no one else in the room at that point, even though there's tons of people. I was the only one, you know? Yeah. And just the way that he delivered it, it was like I could feel him and his body connected to the earth, like grounded, like I'm here, I'm safe. Like he knew what I had gone through. I had shared it. And the fact that he leaned in like that, it felt so safe. I felt mm. so held. And it felt like I could just trust him. Mm. Yeah. And he he created that. Yeah. He really created that container, that structure, just the way that he did it. Yeah. Still one of the most gorgeous moments of my life, really. Yeah, that sounds epic. I oh. hope I have a love story like that oh. someday. <laughs> oh, honey. And also it's coming. Feels, it also feels like he was really, really present. Yeah. And it's something that we've referenced in other podcasts about, like, one of the sexiest things the masculine can be is deeply present. Mm. And and can you talk to me a little bit, too, because I think the, the shutdown conversation— obviously also relates to sexuality. Talk to me about what it was like to be in a more sexually open place being in relationship. Mm. Mm, Fun. (laughs) 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 That's the word that comes to mind. It's, um, It's a whole different adventure. It looks like nothing I've ever experienced. It's a willingness to grow. Mm. It's a willingness to engage. It's a curiosity. It's playful and flirty and frisky it's just it's almost like I had eaten vanilla ice cream my whole life and now I had like access to the sundae bar with all of the toppings Mm. like all of the toppings like as much hot fudge as I want like oh my god hot fudge is my favorite like all of a sudden it's like oh my god like it's just there's just this like Willy Wonka world of fantasticness that opened up because I was like oh I'm connected to my body oh I know what my cervix is like these are things they teach you in tantra class by the Uh way it's like I knew I knew my body enough mm-hmm. that I could meet him with my body instead of my mind. And I felt yeah. like before that relationship, it had been mental. I mean, I'm, I used to be a lawyer, like, smart, straight-A student, all that stuff. Put that aside. But, like, I feel like until that point, like, yeah, I was living kind of head up. And meeting him and doing all the work, it was like I was living from my heart and, like, mm. and... And your pussy. And my later pots. Yeah. yeah, my pussy. Can we say that on here? Oh, we can oh, say totally. all the things. Okay, we cool. Pussy, 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 pussy. Pussy, 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 pussy. Yes. But I want to I come back to that because what you said is really important, which is that you came to the relationship yeah. having, having become embodied yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think we're always working on becoming embodied, mm-hmm. but you were definitely more embodied than you had been before. Yeah. And a lot of that you did on your own. Yes. So what would you say to, like, how much is it the role of the masculine to help a woman open up sexually? And how much is her responsibility? Mm, what a question. Yeah. And it's an incredibly important one. I, whew, connect to my body before I answer that one. I feel a sense that really... One of the things I had to learn the most and have been so happy to learn, but it's been a hard path, is that really it's it's mostly my work mm. um, to show up in my body. Like, he can only do so much, and I feel like men get a lot of pressure to, you know, he's got to open me, he's got to open me, and I had that belief for a long time, but mm-hmm. I don't hold it to be true now. Um, a woman has to know her own parts, and she has to do that in her own timing. Mm. But what I will say what a man can do is really powerful, and it's, his ability to be connected to his own body, his breath, his balls, Absolutely. and his heart, and bring that. If he brings that, then, or when he brings that, then I can connect to my own body and feel relaxed. And I feel like the charge that then gets created sexually is fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if he does his work and she does her work, then it's magic. So that's kind of the first thing. Mm-hmm. Another thing I would say is 
I get shut down still. I mean, mm. it happens. Mm-hmm, it ha- mm-hmm. Not really sexually, but emotionally. Like, I'll be scared. Something will trigger me. One of my old patterns is wanting to run away or be quiet. And my guy, what he does so beautifully is he'll come to me and he'll see that I'm shut down or he'll experience that something's wrong with me. And he'll grab me. He'll hold me. Or he'll put his hands on me. And he'll just be like, I'm here. I've got you. Mm. You're safe. You're held. I'm here. Or what do you need? What do you need? What's going on? Just those little moments of check-in with his like physical presence of like he's in his own body. He's present with me. Just those little things. They feel humongous. He doesn't yeah. have to do something crazy big. He just needs to show up and note. If he just notices me yeah. and communicates it with a little bit of words and a lot of body, oh, honey, that diffuses it. Nine times out of ten, I just didn't feel... I didn't feel the love in the moment that I wanted to feel, yeah. right? One of my teachers always says that. Most women, when they're shut down, it's because they don't feel the love that they want. Yeah. So whatever a man can do to provide his woman or a woman with some love, I feel like is so beautiful and so powerful for a woman. And deep presence, like you said, because what I heard was, first of all, he noticed. Yeah. Because I, f- I find actually a lot of men do notice yeah. when the woman is shut down or feeling bad. And they don't speak to it. There's something going on where they, they're scared yeah. of her reaction. Yeah. They're not sure what to do or say. And for you, it's like the fact that he comes to you. Yeah. It's not that you had to go to him, but he comes to you and says, I'm here. I've Ugh. got you. Yeah. Is enough. It doesn't have to be that he fixed it or knew exactly what it was or all, you know, that whole host. But just like, I see you. I'm here. Is, is enough and that that's matched with his actual deep presence yeah. that he's not just saying the words I've got you mm-hmm. but he's actually rooted onto the ground looking at you saying I've got you yeah meaning I've actually got you not like oh I've got you I've got you babe nope <laughs> not the same thing not the same thing it's not the same thing. And I remember my therapist telling me in the beginning of therapy with her, you know, if when people are quaking, when they're rocked, when they are in a very uneasy place, just as a person, if you can just hold someone and say, I got you, I'm grounded, I'm safe, I'm here, I'm earthed, like I'm not going anywhere, that diffuses so much of someone's turmoil. And I feel like when you do it in relationship and when the man can do it for the woman, it's like butterflies and rainbows and marshmallows and all those things because it's just like it's quenching it's like Mm. I'm thirsty in that moment for love and for noticing and if you do that for me then I melt I do I literally melt in the most exquisite golden juju of (laughs) the universe I don't know I could go on and on I'll try to stay grounded (laughs) it's great no I think it's great I, I think it's a really um I think it's a really important point to be made for this specifically because I know um so much of your journey has been um you doing your own workshops and your own work uh especially sexually speaking there's a lot of work that you've done yourself and I've also heard from other women that a lot of women have had deep sexual healing experiences with the masculine and I think it's because they're bringing exactly that same energy sexually Mm -hmm. they're bringing the like I've got you Mm -hmm. I'm here. Yeah. And they're bringing that's the whole encounter. My attention is on you. I've got you. Mm, so versus, good. Right. Versus like <laughs> porn sex, which is like, Jackhammer, I'm doing it. Am I doing it right? Is this good? Like, Ugh. let's do it this way. Let's do it this way. Like, that's not the same thing as like, I've got you. Oh. I'm right here. 
oh. I'm, I'm with you, which yeah. is like very opening. I find that to be very opening for myself. Like that is the, that is the kind of energy from the masculine that helps me to open. Please. Yes. And if you don't know how to do that, it's like find teachers that do like, yeah, that's the way to learn. It's like find your own people. If you have desires that are not fulfilled, it's like take responsibility and go out there, find people that are doing the things that yeah. you aspire to do and learn, discover, push your edges. Like yeah, that's the point of being here. Like, what the hell are we doing? I believe that we're here. <laughs> the greatest gift of our life is to evolve and like learn and discover and play. And like, it doesn't have to be the serious thing, but it's just like, why not? Yeah, we can learn. Yeah, we can learn. And I think that's a, that's a theme that's come up with many of my guests, which is that a lot of them have done personal growth work. And that was part of the how of how they got there. And the reward on the other side is like, way better fucking relationships and better sex. Like there is a reward. It's not just like go to this workshop and cry a lot. And then like, you know what I mean? Like there's a point to it. Like there's a, there's a thing on the other side and just a quick shout out for the program pillars of presence, which is Jason's program. He was on another podcast that I help him with, which is all about helping men become present and grounded, which from this conversation, it's like, that is really what the feminine craves. I mean, deep down, like we crave that. And part of the reason is, we tend to be less grounded. We tend to be more flighty. We tend to be more colorful and expressive and kind of like up and out energy. And it really helps us when the masculine can complement that. And there's something about when the masculine brings that that creates polarity. It creates attraction. There's something about that difference that, that makes that spark come alive. Yeah. You can't have two guys in the relationship, right? <laughs> Or two women. You need to have... Not in a hetero relationship. You can in a gay relationship. Well, that's yeah. true. Absolutely. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Do it well. But yeah, yeah in a hetero relationship, you, you need the difference. Mm -hmm. And I know men, at least from all the men that I've talked to um, about this, because I've done a lot of workshops um, around polarity and the teachings, it's like what they love most about women is their, their beauty and their radiance and their, their flow and their connection to their body and how big and beautiful they are and really that that almost boundlessness that mm. is within their heart like spewing out and they can't do that if they're also marching and leading yeah. and mapping and figuring out like it's really hard guys to be a woman and do that and be beautiful and yeah and, yeah oh like at the same time you know how hard that is it's mm -hmm. really hard so I just say that because your leading enables us to then go out and yeah. just be the butterfly. And I, we just want, well, look, there's butterflies right here, Mel. <laughs> we want to be the butterfly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, so as we're wrapping up here, is there anything that you would say, I want to ask you two questions. Is there any advice that you would say to women that are listening that do feel like maybe they are more shut down? Um, any advice that you would give them? Hmm. I just felt my heart activate um, just thinking about them because um, I obviously know that place and I, I just want to hold them and tell them it's going to be okay. Um, find a guide. Find someone that you feel safe with and be willing to try. Be willing to try different people, different workshops, um, different teachers, um, even if you just start reading books. Just start to... Start to be curious. Mm. Start to be a student of your own growth, your own sexuality, your own femininity, because you have to have the curiosity, and then you have to back it up with some sort of action. Mm. Otherwise, you're, you're likely to stay stuck. And really, I know it probably feels really unsafe to try to lean into those edges and perhaps get unstuck, but it's worth it. 
Mm. I'm a living testament that it's worth leading into those edges, even though it's uncomfortable. It's so worth it. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I just, I just want to reiterate that she said the word guide, find a guide. Yes. Not, not, not find a guy. Guide. <laughs> guide. The guide could be a guy. The word was guide. Guide. Okay, guide. And then any advice for men who might be with a woman that they consider shut down? Scoop her up, tickle her, play with her, <laughs> spin her around, as my teacher says, and pull her in and say, you know what, I'm here for you, I love you. Um, what do you need? Just celebrate and honor her. She just needs to feel your love. And I feel like um, if she doesn't respond well to that, then you're probably with the wrong woman. Mm. Um, but if you really love this woman and you you want to be with her, it's like just I would I would start there. Yeah. Like physically pull her and hold her, um, kind of get her out of her pain physically. Like I feel like, I mean, internally, like I feel like she's in pain and she just, she just needs to feel the love. Um mm-hmm. And then, yeah, if you feel like there's deeper stuff that needs to get worked on, like lead her to a therapist or a coach, some sort of teacher, some sort of structure. Like, why not? I actually am a firm believer that even when things are great, it's a good time to be in some sort of therapy or program. You know what? I feel like that's actually the best time because I was just doing research last night about this topic and it said that most people in relationships wait to go to therapy until it's too late. Yes, I've heard this from multiple couples counselors, by the way, like, a lot of them, maybe I've said this before, I'll say it again. It's like if you had a sprain, it's like people try to walk on the sprain for seven years and now it's fucking broken. Yes. Like that shit is broken versus if it's a sprain, go get, go get, go get help, go, yeah. go see someone. And I just want to add to what you just said, which is, um, be willing to be involved in that. It, don't just put it all on her. Like she's broken. She's the problem. She should go get help. If you're willing to go with her, couples counseling is going to be infinitely more successful when you're both invested. If it's just like, well, you're broken. You you don't like sex. You're broken. Like that's not going to work. Mm-mm. So that'll just isolate. Yeah, her. that's 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 not that's not the way to do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, there can't be finger pointing or shaming or blaming. Like it's ultimately a choice of you and your commitment. If you're committed and want to stay in, then yeah. You need to do it together. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact is, the fact is, like, you might go to couples counseling and the answer might be, this isn't the right match. Yeah. This isn't, this person isn't willing to grow. Yeah. This person isn't willing to grow. Yeah. My One of my um, favorite podcasts is Jason Gaddis's podcast, Smart Couple Podcast. And he always says, you can't have a relationship with someone that isn't willing to grow. You've got to be willing to grow and they've got to be willing to grow. If they're not, you got to move on. Yeah. You got to move on. So um, I think there's a lot to be said for the the willingness to grow. Not necessarily that that person is there yet, but is there a willingness? And it's pretty apparent, you know, a couple of couples counseling sessions or whatever, it's going to become apparent whether your partner and you are willing to grow. And if you're not, I mean, you're it's probably, prob- it's probably not going to work. Yeah. yeah. I'm a firm believer that relationships are a container for growth and really, you know, like I was talking about practice and practice partners earlier on with the Tinder thing, but really I, I view a relationship as, as just another sort of branch of the practice mm-hmm. of practicing, of noticing, of relating, of making it be okay that you get it wrong or that it doesn't feel right or that you're, it's clunky or, oh, we had weird sex there or, oh, we didn't communicate well there. Like, it's all a learning experience. Like, mm. life is a buffet. It's a cafeteria style of, like, I'm going to pluck this. I'm going to try that. Okay, no, that doesn't work. Okay, I don't like that. Like, yeah. relationship is just so, f- like, fertile and fruitful for that. So, like, 
there's also a lot of like fun and exploration and like lightness to be had in there. It doesn't all have to be heavy too. Yeah, I like that. I especially like the idea of like it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Like sometimes you can have a fight and be like, we didn't do that very well, and then move <laughs> on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or, or wow, that sex is kind of weird, and then move on. It's like it doesn't have to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. So Those, I really like that. Good. Yeah. yeah. Those moments need to be celebrated because that's when we learn if we're always doing it right or whatever that is. It's like how the hell do we know how to do it better? That's true. Mm-hmm, There's no room girl. for expansion. Mm-mm. All right. So why don't you tell us a little about what you do and where people can find you? Absolutely. So I am a coach helping women going through divorce and then after that helping them date again. And I absolutely love what I do. Um, It's really become a passion of mine and I wouldn't have it any other way being able to really pass on my journey and everything I talked about to all of the women that I help. So if people know someone that is going through a hard time or even a guy, I I really do advertise to females, but I have helped a few guys and it has been um, really wonderful helping them too. So if you know someone is going through a divorce and needs support, then you can definitely um, find information about me online at Melanie, M-E-L-A-N-I-E. Just like me, guys. Ow! <laughs> hyphen symbol, scott.com. So melanie-scott.com. Great. And we'll also drop that in the show notes. Um, and you actually have a free masterclass that you give as well, right? I do, Is absolutely. Is that coming out soon or is it up? Or It's on the website. It's, it's on the website? Yeah. Okay, cool. And that's, uh, what is the name of it? Five Shifts? It's the five shifts to making your divorce the best thing that ever happened to you. Yes, and that's free. So if anybody wants to check that out, that is completely free. Sweet. All right. Um, any last words of wisdom <laughs> before we wrap? I love you. Oh, I love you too. <laughs> it's so Melanie squared. Oh, my God. I love all the Melanies. <laughs> that wraps up another episode of Dear Men. Thank you for listening. If you want to reach out, we would love to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Dear Men Podcast. That's at Dear Men Podcast. Or Facebook, we have a group, Dear Men Podcast. We also have an email address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to join the Big Sexy Dataset, the community of people who regularly respond to the surveys that we talk about on this podcast, just email us at that address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will set you up. Have a sexy day.